Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Captain Howdy. And today we're talking a movie from 1973, the original, some say, the scariest movie of all time, The Exorcist. Celebrating its 50th anniversary. Is it strange that the titular character doesn't show up until two-thirds of the way through the movie? Are we talking about the person who performs the exorcism, one Father Marin? Yes, the exorcist, and he doesn't show up until, well, he's in the cold open. I take it back. (laughs) Well, he and Karis don't meet until like an hour 40 into the movie. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, man. He's all on the poster, and he's like got the title, and he's like, do 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 do. Yeah, but he's important. He's so important. We follow him to Iraq, which has nothing, almost nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Sure sets a tone. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly, by the way. Yeah. So, ready for your quiz? Well, keep in mind, I've only seen this once. What? Really? Wait, what? Yep. Wow. All the way through? You know this movie, right? I mean, I don't think you can. Avoid seeing scenes, seeing spoofs and remakes and clips. But you know when you watch a movie and you have this sense of, I've seen this before. Oh, I remember that specific tone of voice or that specific sound effect or, oh, that shot is (laughs) evoking some, none of that, nothing. Wow. And if you're ever going to remember a tone of voice or a sound effect, it's probably going to be from this movie, right? (laughs) Are you talking about Reagan embodying the demon or demons? Well, so that's the quiz. In the novel, the demon's name is Pazuzu. Despite Reagan's claim that she is being possessed by Satan himself, it is in fact the demon Pazuzu. Is that why Marin has all this authority? Because Karis is like, I have to tell you, it's multiple demons. And then Marin's like, it's one. Yep, because he performed an exorcism with the same demon in the Middle East. And it's just coincidence that now that demon is in Reagan? Well, there's the question. Why did it go from Iraq to Georgetown? The evil, I guess, comes through the window randomly and is like Peter Pazuzu. And then go like decides to take a deed like a field trip and goes to the church and desecrates the statue. Yeah, the mystery of the statue was never quite solved unless Burke did it. There's the whole Captain Howdy thing. So it's toying with Reagan and there's the rats in the attic, but it's almost like this is like a weird demonic incubation period where she's not feeling she's got the COVID and it's just not showing its ugly head for a little while, but she's contagious or something. (laughs) She's just incubating the Rona. So I thought that the Pazuzu thing, who's never named in The Exorcist, right? Correct. Was just Marin's credibility. He had experience with Pazuzu, and he dealt with Pazuzu, I guess, and and now he's got the street cred, whereas this was a different demon who was, like, chilling in the attic, waiting for the right host. And then when Reagan starts messing with the Ouija, Captain Howdy starts to, like, you know, get ideas and then inhabits Reagan. That was my take. Does she manifest it? I'm not really sure. Things don't get rolling in this movie for quite a while. And if you watch it ultra-critically, it does tie together... 
But walking into this, like, oh, it's terrifying. And if you walk into it being like, I'm ready, it's an awfully long build, I think. But it all is very atmospheric. I don't know that the rock stuff needs to make sense, but it sets a really creepy tone. I don't know why those dogs are meaningful, but super creepy. And then we have to see Reagan as a normal little girl, and we have to establish the rapport between mom and daughter before she gets possessed. Otherwise, we have no stakes. We have no comparison for what this girl is like. So they take their time with that, and they kind of slow play it with her first kind of acting out at the party. But it like some of the, these things are really necessary. I don't know that it's necessary that Chris is a famous actor. Maybe it's just, you know, a layer to her character, but they establish that. They establish Father Karras's crisis of faith and then the ordeal with his mom. And they have to establish Reagan as being a normal little girl before all things go haywire. This could have been another haunting haunted house style movie wherein an actress rents a Georgetown house, a big spacious house that happens to have things scrabbling around the attic and she puts her daughter in the demon bedroom, unfortunately, you know? <laughs> Um, Poor Reagan. Yeah. As much as it's weird to see Linda Blair as a normal kid stealing candy and running around and laughing stuff and talking about how beautiful the horses are, yeah, I don't like it. She needs to be demonic because she's that way firmly in my head. And to be like a normal little kid doesn't track right for me. But this is all me living with this film for pretty much my entire life. You, by the way, look who's taking some notes. Are you impressed with my my? Yeah, you got it all down. Knowledge of The Exorcist, having seen it once. <laughs> Somebody, this is a watcher. <laughs> well, I, you know, this is an important film. I didn't realize it was an Academy Award nominated Best Picture. I watched it in parts. I watched the first half, and then when things started getting a little hairy, I was like, mm -mm, nope. Can't do it. I was wide awake, but I was like, <laughs> I am not finishing this by myself. So I appealed to Brian the next day. I was like, I need to watch The Exorcist. I cannot complete it on my own. Will you please watch it with me? And he was like, uh, pretty hesitant, but he took one for the team. So we watched the second half together and I was terrified. I can't remember the last time I was this afraid in a film. Whew. Obviously, it's not the first half, but the second half is why this movie is remembered. One half of this movie is the most terrifying thing ever. And I found it more satisfying this time around. I did feel elements of dread and an and appropriate setup as opposed to being like, let's just get through to the stuff, you know, that we're that we all know is coming. So it was better for me this time around the first half. Better as in like not as boring, not as tedious. More connected, a better setup and, and leading to some dread. You know, there's the Jaws idea that less is more and you see that you don't see the shark until halfway through the movie. And when this shark shows up, man, it is worth every moment you spent wasting trying to connect. Like, I don't even know that the first half necessarily matters because the second half sells it so crazy. They really linger on this shark, too. There's no shying away from it. Long takes, gurgling Ooh. and vomiting and shaking and convulsing and straining against the restraints. I mean, they don't shy away from it at all. And she gets hideous looking. I mean, does not... They're like, mm, is she sick? It's all in her mind. What? Have you seen her <laughs> face? It, it's pretty horrid, and her eyes change and everything. Ugh. Bam. Okay, so speaking of the eyes change, let's jump way ahead. Father Karras is possessed by the demon. 
Does Karis fling himself out the window or does the demon compel him? And also, does the demon flee his body before he dies? It looks like he's in it. He's possessed for a moment, but he's Karis when he goes out the window. An interesting question. William Peter Blatty obviously wrote the book and he was pretty annoyed that people thought that the demon flung Karis out the window, much like presumably it had done Burke, uh, even though Burke died off screen. Karis nobly sacrificed himself by bringing the demon into himself. You could see his face change, his eyes change, and then he fights it off for a minute to regain enough self-control to fling himself out the window, thereby carrying the demon with him. Oh, he does carry the demon with him. Yes. I mean, the demon's obviously out of Reagan, although you're yes. definitely watching her face at the end, right, for any trace of, of Legion? Yeah, and she's got the weird gray ashy thing with the, the cuts and stuff that are healing. Right. So, but okay, so he sacrifices himself despite the fact that he might be in a limbo-type purgatory of, of faith? I mean, I think his faith is pretty well restored. Even if the evil exists, then the good has to exist, and the evil definitely exists, right? I mean, you can't have one without the other, I guess. But I'm, I'm guessing that's why Father Dyer, that's him at the end, right, who reads him his rights? Right. That's why they do that, because he's trying to restore him back to his faith and in good standing with the Lord? Yes, uh, and he's done his duty, I guess. But yeah, that guy, Father Dyer, not an actor. <laughs> What? He's the real priest, and he's a consultant on the movie. Really? <laughs> for all things Catholic, yeah. And Bill Friedkin, the director, was like, okay, we need him, you to act. Because he's got, you know, a really heavy emotional scene. I think the last shot is on him, right? Walking away from the steps. I mean, and uh, what? I'm looking at pictures. This guy's got a great father-priest face. He's got the best yeah. priest face. That's that's because he's a father priest. <laughs> but yeah, so like he was trying to do the thing where he's holding Karis's hand and, and giving him emotional last rites and things and absolving him of his crisis of faith. And Bill Friedkin is like, no, it's not working. Hey, so you trust me, right? And he's like, yeah. And wham, he smacks him in the face. So he's all shaken up and goes back and gives, gives an emotional performance. No. Yeah. This was akin to Stanley Kubrick and some of the extreme tactics. William Friedkin was making a movie not for kids and not for funds. He was firing off guns behind the actors to shake them up and then calling action. <laughs> um, obviously, he put young Linda Blair through some stuff. I'm, I'm shocked because Ellen Burstyn flat out refused to do The Exorcist 2, which I don't think anybody should see. But Ellen Burstyn, they, they put her in a harness. And when Reagan pushes her back, they put her in a harness and yanked her as hard as they could. And she crashes to the floor and that scream is real. They froze the set. Linda Blair is 12 and in a freaking nightgown. Oh, my gosh. I thought that was like Titanic style CGI. That was real cold breath. Nope, there is one CG shot in this entire movie. One special effect. Can you think what it is? No, what? The only thing that they that he didn't love and that needed to be convincing was the projectile vomit Ooh. all over Karis when Karis is there solo. So when she's like, blah, they, you know, they used a special effect to show it coming directly from her mouth instead of like the tube off to the side as they would do from like a side shot. 
How? How do they do that? They like matted it in, like coming from her mouth. She opens oh. her mouth and they, they matted in vomit and then, you know, cut away to his face getting splotched by it. Oh, so gross. Never look at Anderson's pea soup on the 101 the same ever again. Yeah. So that is some of it on her nightgown and stuff. But that what they actually flung at his face, it wasn't viscous enough. So they, they couldn't use soup. It was like pancake batter and a mix of something else. Oh, so gross how come everybody dies off screen you get like graphic projectile vomit but then burke somehow goes flying out the window which is not broken and then father marin is just slumped over yeah father marin is tough to take and it, it maybe makes it all the more horrifying because there's no noise there's no oh no damien <laughs> and he goes in there and he's just dead and not only is he dead but reagan is is free from her from the binds she's like sitting over him and laughing well she at first she's just staring but then she's laughing and it's it's really unsettling it's 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 awful and it's set up really nicely because obviously Karis is in over his head he's like basically dismissed and then that's the opportunity where the demon's able to overcome Marin yeah but maybe with good reason you really feel for him and i always remembered as a kid you know, they're the things that stick with you. And obviously, oh, the pea soup is gross. And her peeing on the floor is gross. And her, like, writhing and stuff is scary. But when he she pulls the mom card on Karis, I feel really bad for him. And I find it horrifying. When she's standing there and he's running but not gaining any, any distance. And she goes down the subway and he can't stop her or save her from evil and she dies. And then Reagan's like, why you do this to me, Demi? I was like, oh, God. That's... <laughs> Hor- and oh, it's so horrifying. <laughs> and then there's that weird disorienting shot of her on the bed, like in a yeah. in a cell or in a in a sanatorium or something like that. And you see it all in his face, the dread, the horror, but not of gore and evil, but just of of regret. And yeah, just sadness. And, and sadness. she looks she looks like a child even though she's like 90. Yeah, because she's kind of huddled up in her little nighty. And so that this is what helps the Exorcist transcend some of the haters and the people who would dismiss it as horror porn or, you know, like it's filth from, a you know, something that you could see any day from a magazine. There were a fair share of high profile critics who said this is just dressed garbage. Schlock. Right. This is just I could see hear this talk in any locker room and stuff and and people and notables, celebrities were horrified. But there is something that elevates it rather than it just being a shock gore horror fest, which it un horror <laughs> horror fest, which it undoubtedly inspired. I mean, there are so how many movies have exorcist or exorcism in the title being before this a relatively obscure term? Mm, right. Well, they're not all canon. No, not at all. What is the, what is canon? What do we need to prepare for, for Believer? The only one I will advocate for is The Exorcist 3. That is worth seeing. I own it on DVD. Ellen Burstyn in it? Nope. She got pretty famous. Are you kidding? Ellen Burstyn is the man. (laughs) I only remember her from Requiem for a Dream. Which is really something to remember her for. I will never, as much as I like Julia Roberts, I will never forgive her for somehow stealing the Oscar away from Ellen Burstyn for Requiem for a Dream for Aaron Brockovich. Look, that's all fine. But you took an Oscar away from a legendary performance. But Requiem was just so gross. It it was, but she was tremendous. 
And she puts her all into these. And I thought she was great in Pieces of a Woman, and she's been around, obviously, for a long time. So it may be enough, although The Exorcist is certainly part of Ellen Burstyn's legacy, and she has appeared in talk shows and, and screenings, 20, you know, 45th anniversary just five years ago. Uh, we lost William Friedkin this year, the director, just in August. But she doesn't shy away from it as bad a time as she had being physically hurt and being put through the ringer and refusing outright to star in the sequel, she still embraces this enough to where when she shows up to believe her, I'm like, maybe it's for a good cause. Maybe it's for a reason. And thus I'm willing to give it a shot. Mm. She is a great Chris McNeil. She is a very sensitive and sweet mom. And then she turns around and she is like a badass. She's literally tucking Reagan in and it's super sweet. And the next moment she's on the phone call with the hotel where her husband is. Yeah, about for the birthday, when he doesn't call for the birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she like throws down on that operator. And then she all gives a whole round table of psychiatrists and doctors and PhDs a piece of her mind. Like she is not shy and not afraid to get what she wants. She has all of these different personas that she uses to get what she wants. The way that she's kind of playing it cool and coy with Father Karras. She's like, so what do you do about this? And what do you do about that? And what do you need to do in exorcism? And he's like, what? Yeah, she's kind of <laughs> using her wiles, I guess, to kind of ply him to get what she yeah. wants. I bet after they left, I bet she honked up that townhouse's Airbnb rating. Oh, yeah. No, like all barbarian style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our review available now at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. So when it comes down to it, the Exorcist is memorable for its sights and sounds, and I think sheer audacity. There are you knew the the story more of The Exorcist. I'm sure you knew the major plot points, but did you also hear this being the scariest movie of all time that people were running, vomiting, screaming in terror up the aisles Ooh. during the the reception of this movie? Oh. I mean, people turned out. The book was a major hit. The movie was only a year or two later, and people were freaking out. There's entire featurettes devoted to the lines and people and what did you think coming out of the Exodus and like man it was gross man and people are like I could I, I couldn't do it I couldn't stay <laughs> and other people who were like it was so crazy I've seen it multiple times and those that's a red flag you don't want to be like you don't put that on on your Tinder profile right, or whatever that my, your kids are using these days exactly that my favorite movie of all time is The Exorcist from 1973 there's a lot of people like Robert Pattinson and stuff they're like this is my favorite movie it's like really <laughs> Says a lot about you. Yeah, The Exorcist is not my favorite horror movie. Um, it wouldn't have been up there with like the champions on, on the Mount Rushmore of horror. But I did gain another appreciation for it watching it this time critically. Because if there's anything this movie can be credited for, it is, like you said, absolutely unflinching. This movie goes hard and nobody involved cares what anybody thinks of the movie. It's shocking to me that Father Dyer, the act of priest turned actor as Father Dyer, would sanction this. You know what I mean? Like pe some people didn't want to touch it. The people involved were outright shocked. Max von Sydow was so shocked by what they were having Linda Blair do. And he was in the movie, had read the script that he forgot his lines. It, it needs to be seen to be believed. And and again, to, to see how they transcend the shock and lowbrow like profanity and stuff, how they make it actually scary or justify a little girl saying, horrific things like look you can't I'm even a, quote it 
I'm a seasoned horror veteran, right? I've seen every horror movie that I care to see. Nothing bothers me. Uh, I, we talked about The Evil Dead being too intense. And I'm like, yeah, it's not pleasant enough that you want to watch it on a daily basis or anything. But no one is, no one is stabbing themselves in the vagina. Right. And this doesn't brush up against any theological you know, conservatism in me. I, I, have, I have no issue with the religious aspects. I don't think that I'm going to be possessed or even that possession is real. And boy, this movie is unsettling. <laughs> like it's hard. Like you, you I, I watch it and every time without fail, I'm like, oh my, wow. <laughs> like they, I cannot believe they did this and they did it 50 years ago. If The Exorcist had never existed and it was released in 2023, people would be like, this is way too controversial. <laughs> some some people, right? They would be shocked. How did she get that crucifix? Oh, God. So it was under her pillow that her mom found it. And I guess was like, couldn't hurt. But it was heavily implied in the novel that Carl, the housekeeper looking for the rats, had placed it there. Oh, yeah. that's That was actually my theory that one of the staff placed it there because they were like, this ain't right. It was either that or Burke. Yeah. No, it seems like it's Carl and I'm okay with it being Carl because Burke, I don't know that he was had, had number one, it's Chris's bad for assuming that Burke would watch over her kid because Burke was not in a position to take care of anybody. Why not? And I think in, in 2020, because he was mad drunk and belligerent and like called the dude at the party a Nazi and stuff and <laughs> caused the meek caterer guy to choke him. If it were 2023, Burke would have been the first one canceled in of all these characters. <laughs> That's right. But they were kind of friends, more than friends. Yeah. Do you love Burke like you love daddy? And, and she was really upset when Burke died. But that's on her. All right. So the least responsible was put in charge of the of the daughter who was obviously having problems and probably less likely to put a to place a crucifix under the pillow. Yep. But all that, you know, ties in. Reagan's head spinning was evocative of her turning Burke's head all the way around. It established the proximity of the window to the stairs. And so it all made sense when uh, Father Karras goes through basically the same thing. What do you think about them spending so much time? It's also been argued that people were not as horrified by Reagan or the things she does and the things she says. And the crucifix thing wasn't even, that was only a part of a very terrible scene where you see Ellen Burstyn permanently injured on camera. But not only is she stabbing herself in the junk with the crucifix, she's grabbing her mom's head and shoving her mom's face in it. And you're like, yeah, like that's unbelievable, unbelievable. And then we contrast that with an awful lot of medical stuff. And so what I was saying is that people have speculated that it's not just a horror, but a lot of people were really unsettled by the arteriogram. They put the needle in their neck and it's oh. pulsing blood. Oh. And that really, really messed with people. Messed me up. Not cool. But again, this movie does not care how you feel about it. You know what's crazy about that scene? This has been confirmed. In the medical scenes, I think when she's getting her EKG, that one of the dude, the dude that's like handling, like helping getting her prepped and putting the blanket over her and stuff, is a serial killer. <gasps> they found, they caught him a few years later. What? And he's like, yep, you're that serial killer we've been looking for. Ooh. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. There's a lot swirling around this movie, and some of it is just hysteria and people being like, The Exorcist is a cursed movie, and there were deaths, and Linda Blair's rat died, and, and Jason Miller's kid got critically injured, and Max von Sydow's brother died, and all this stuff Ooh. that's attributed to The to the Exorcist uh, as a cursed production. Yeah. I don't, I don't really buy any of that stuff. Like if you examine any production from a a standpoint of tragedy. There's enough people involved that you can come up with deaths and serial murders and stuff. And this is me just dialing into the the hysteria and the the idea of the curse. Yeah, well, I mean, it adds to the whole mystique around The Exorcist. I do have a real question for you because you love the JC. What's up? Why did they introduce the element that always gave me doubt when Marin says confidentially to Karis... I told her it was holy water, and she reacted. It's ordinary yeah. tap water. Right. No, Karis says that to Chris McNeil. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So he, so Karis is trying to, I had the same question. So Karis is trying to ass- assess whether Reagan is possessed because he needs to present proof to the church board, so to speak, in order to get permission to perform an exorcism, for which there are rights. There's, you know, prescribed rights, and it's all written down, recorded, and all that kind of stuff. So he goes in with the holy water, which apparently is not blessed, and she reacts badly, and which suggests that maybe the demon is not real, that the demon, right. that she's not possessed. It was very confusing. But obviously with real holy water, she develops those cuts, like, and they whip the skin off her leg. Yeah. And she's a real, affected by real holy water. Right. I, I just wasn't sure why you would include an element that would cast doubt. Where you're like, it might have been stronger if you didn't add that. The only thing that I can speculate is that, you know, from very early on, the demon is preying upon Karis, knowing that Karis is going through a crisis of faith. And so the only thing I can think is that the demon was trying to cast doubt in Karis. Fair enough. That's a pretty good explanation. Possibly. Because it gets amplified later, right, where the demon's manifesting his mom and speaking in his mom's voice and, you know, hurling these horrendous insults at him, just tearing him down and basically preying upon him because they know they or it knows that they don't really have a chance with Marin. Nice. It's more just, you know, a, a battle of stamina, which apparently the demon wins at the in the end with Marin. So the exorcist 50 years ago, and still to this day, apparently, for those of us who are seeing it for the first time, totally blows people's minds. Blew my mind. And you came loaded with half a century of lore and seeing it spoofed and it's not even a joke anymore. And you know that these are not, you know, not not like you saw it as a kid or anything. So I'll first give you the thing about the exorcist that blew my mind. And then I'm going to try to blow your mind. And it has nothing to do with creepy, scary or gory. Okay. Jason Miller, who portrays Karis, is father to Jason Patrick, who started the Lost Boys. <laughs> Wait, he's a Jason Miller Jr.? Yep. That was crazy to me. Arguably a horror classic. I, when I think of Lost Boys, I think of Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> so we all bring our traumas to the movie, right? And an exorcist believer plays on the fact that you have two daughters and are particularly susceptible to the horror Mm-mm. of your daughters being invaded by an alien or demonic presence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Would, would coming into all these movies, not not just the exorcist, but any of the movies we discussed, what is my big hang up? What is it? Do you know that you are the exact same age oh, as gosh. one of the actors when they were filming this movie? Here we go. 
Can you guess who it is? Let's see if I can blow your mind. Ellen Burstyn? Nope. Who? Max von Sydow. You are the exact same age as Father Marin. No, I'm not. Yep. Father Marin was 35 when he shot The Exorcist? <laughs> Excellent. No. <laughs> what? I did it. I blew your mind. He looks ancient. Yep. That's not possible. You're old. That is not possible. (laughs) Okay. Look it up. He was 90 in 2020 when he passed. Linda Blair. There's real speculation that she was nominated because they thought that she had changed her voice so dramatically to play Reagan when she was possessed. She's like, Mom, that isn't nice, Mr. Howdy. And then she's like, what an excellent day for an exorcism. And like, but that was actually Mercedes McCambridge, who all who put herself through hell, but also the makeup and she looked so intense and man, what a good job for that little kid at 12 years old or whatever filming the movie. Holy cow. But she went through something like three hours, three to four hours of makeup a day at the heaviest part, which you can totally see, right? It's evident on screen. You're like, oh, that's horrifying. Right. Max von Sydow, apparently, at the ripe old age of 44, 43 uh, at the time of filming, also sat through about three to four hours of makeup every day. Wow. And like like, tottered around and was like shaky to play Father Marin. Oh, really good performance. Convincingly aged. Absolutely. He has like a heart condition. He's all popping the pills. He's hunched over. You can see him like using his hands to climb up off his knee when he's digging and stuff. He actually had a hard time because his name being so closely associated with the exorcist had a hard time finding age appropriate work because they all thought he was that old dude. Yeah, right. When you look at his movies from the the 20 teens, you're like, yeah, that's what he looked like then. In The Exorcist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's around what he looked like when he died. Not so far off. Wow. He was doing older roles in Ingmar Bergman movies before that. So they knew he could play old convincingly. So he was like an established thespian and like a serious dude. And then he rolls into this horror movie that was based on a worldwide phenomenon bestseller book, I guess. But then comes in and sees little Linda Blair spouting the most profound obscenities I can imagine. Again, that stuff doesn't bother me. Hearing it come out of that character shocks me every time. Yeah, it's pretty darn shocking. 50 years later. It's a talkie. She's tied up. She doesn't really move. There's no fights or whatever. Okay, there's fighting. Okay, like people get hit. And man, she's so disturbing that Karis pulls her off the bed and is like hammer fisting her in the face. Punching the bejeez. Which was also... Oh, my goodness. Which was also completely terrifying. So I'm guessing given the impact that it made 50 years ago and its efficacy today, a totally? It knocked the wind out of me again. And I think in order to understand its place in pop culture, you really needed to have seen it. This is like a, a horror totally. If you can stomach it. And if you think you can get any value from a horror movie experience, The Exorcist is a must-see. I'm going with it totally. Yep. And I've seen it, and I'm prepared for Believer, and this will be paired with Believer here at Or Whatever Movies in this Halloween 2023 season. OrWhateverMovies.com, where you go to contact us, 818-835-0473 is our hotline, or whatever movies at gmail.com is our email address. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on The Exorcist from 1973. Happy Halloween, and we'll see you next time. Electric Acid. 
Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.